welcome to episode 24, Padre, am I right? We are 24, so we're nearly a quarter of a century in. Um, uh, and, you know, in a, in a time where week by week everything seems to be getting worse in the UK as we disappear into sort of the depths of financial despair and Tory nonsense, you know, we'll keep on going and hopefully try to make people's lives a little bit rosier. Um, I don't know whether we do or not, who knows, but we'll give it a go. Um, before we go into the episode, I just want to welcome some new international listeners because, you know, this is happening every week now, so to make sure we get everybody knocked off. So this week we are joined by Argentina, Chile, Peru, Pakistan, and amazingly, Yemen. So <laughs> welcome to everybody from all those countries. Um, I, I think I'm going to start learning a few languages on how to actually welcome people from around the world properly, but... At the minute, it's just a welcome, but hopefully you keep on listening. Um, we are a man down this week, the voice of reason. Anthony's not with us. Um, I'm sure he'll be back next week, but it does mean that there's less control. Um, there's, <laughs> there's potentially more sweeping statements and dodgy opinions, but there you go. But we are joined this week by, uh, by a special guest, um, Chris Barlin, front man with uh, one of the best bands in Britain at the minute, if you ask me, uh, in human nature. Chris, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks, guys, for uh, for having me on. Yeah, what a pleasure. Well, we'll see if you say that at the end of this. <laughs> it was a pleasure or not. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, just quickly for anybody who's not familiar with in human nature, certainly those you know in the the far flung parts of the world. Um, I suppose a bit of a selling point as to as to who you are and what you do and. And all that kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, shout out to the one person in Yemen that might go and check us out after this. Um, so, yeah, I, I sing in, in human nature. They singing is obviously a really loose term uh, for what I do. Um, in human nature has been a band in, in a couple of different forms since about 2017 is when I joined it. Um, heavily influenced by... Slayer, as you've, if you've listened to it, you you obviously you'll hear all the Slayer riffs in there. Old Testament, Exodus, uh, a lot of like New Album kind of stuff in there as well. We're really into like bands like Judas Priest, Saxon, that sort of stuff. All the kind of classics that you would expect. And um, yeah, that's kind of it. That's the vibe. Yeah, Thrash is. It's, I, I always describe it as a heavy metal band, and I feel like we you know we either get called a crossover band or a Thrash band. But I always just describe it as like a heavy metal band um and yeah that's it and I, I i'm in that band heavy metal seems to be quite a, a loose term now doesn't it with everything's got to have a, a subgenre pinned to it now and it crosses yeah. a real big one at the minute isn't it yeah yeah and i think um yeah i mean you know i mean at the end of the day yeah we definitely are a crossover band. i just choose to call us a heavy metal band i guess but yeah especially when we did our album in in 2019 that was like the year for really good crossover records yeah. as well. You know, you had that really good high command yeah. record. Um, Enforced did a record. Lois Creature did an album as yeah. well. So it's very like, there's a lot of hot competition that year. Um, and now obviously like High Command just did a new record as well, which is sounding really good. 
Um, I think Lois Creature are going to have some new shit coming out. At some Hopefully, point soon. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, had, we had them on a few weeks ago. They're, they're one of the nice. one of our discoveries of the year. To be, I, I think, I think we're past the. Uh, we've had them on a few weeks ago. They were one. Of, they were the first band we interviewed. I think they probably were. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're happy. We're almost half a year in. It's a couple of months now. Wow, yeah, but lovely. we do. We have um. We have a soft spot for uh, Lois Creature. <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah. Uh, they're good, man. They're but they're fucking what? great. We what played with them that. in um, April, and they were awesome. Really nice guy, lovely guys. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Uh, it's us, you, um, yeah, us and familiar? us, morbid breath and lowest creature in are Oslo. You, are you familiar with how they describe themselves as being like big rock? No, no. <laughs> yeah, so we were talking to them, and apparently they're on. I think they were on a bus or a train, and someone was like, "Oh." Uh, you know what do you do and they were like oh we're in a band and they played them some stuff and it's like complete stranger said to them ah you're big rock so they've nice. kind of taken that on and it's like that's the way they view themselves so it's actually quite a i think it's quite a nice tag because yeah it, yeah know, it can mean something to a lot of, you know different things to different people but um you know they are quite in your face i mean i think yeah but their riffs are really good i mean i've i've, I've been listening to um your stuff this week and it's yeah definitely i can see all those influences and uh yeah mm. i like it man it's good stuff i like the riffs it's great so it's, it's, it's the whole the whole crossover thing as we're calling it 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 just it works and so many of the bands that do it yourselves included mm. um you know i'm a big hardcore fan anyway so i suppose yeah it appeals to me because it's got that mm. those hardcore breakdowns the big riffs solos it's got the full works and whatever you want to call it it just fucking yeah. works you know yeah and i think it's kind of you know it na- it's naturally happened because I, I was I was into I was into hardcore. For, I still am into hardcore, a massive hardcore fan. But you know, I was like, I was straight edge. I was went to every hardcore show. You know, like if that was happening in London, that was like really like what I was into for years. Like you know, like more than ten years. And then also Jack, our bassist, he was the same. We see each other at all the same sort of shows. Me and Simon, our drummer, were in kind of like a hardcore adjacent bands we weren't really a hardcore band but we used to play loads of hardcore shows and then like ben, our guitarist yeah, yeah yeah um but ben our guitarist is like not from that world at all and he used to be in like a pretty traditional thrash band and mac is really into that stuff as well though he kind of dips in and out of like liking a lot of crust um but i think when you when you smush it together essentially that he actually naturally makes the crossover stuff like yeah. ben kind of gets like I don't think he really listens to a lot of the hardcore bands that we would listen to, like me, Jack. Um, but he gets it. He's well in, he just, fu- he fucking loves Testament. It's all he ever wants to listen to on tour, just like the New Order, like over and over again. He loves it. Just fair enough. It's amazing. But that's, that's like his vibe. So I think when we do come together, it's, it kind of naturally creates the crossover thing. We didn't particularly like, we don't aim to do it. It just kind of happens, I guess. Let me just ask you, just go back to what you said about um, being into hardcore and being straight edge. Um, mm. That, because, you know, certainly in my sort of early 20s, so going back to the sort of early 2000s, the same thing, going to an awful lot of hardcore shows and straight edge was a big thing amongst the, the London yeah, yeah. community and all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it, it might sound a bit of a personal question, but was, was straight edge a personal choice or was it down to the scene or, or was it something you just... You just felt it was the right thing for you. Just, just yeah, it was more personal at the time. Like none of my friends were straight edge, um, but you know, I was in, I was into you know the label, the popular labels at the time was like Bridge Nine, loads yeah. of straight edge bands on that label, like yeah. Trust Kill, yeah, 
you know, you had like Throwdown. I was, you know, Throwdown were fucking popping when I got into hardcore and like 18 Visions and that sort of yeah. stuff, the kind of metalcore side of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was like, I used to obviously like most kids do, kind of a, a pretty classic getting, turning into, turning on to straight edge story. But yeah, you know, all my mates were, we, we'd all smoke weed and drink beers, drink like, you know, fucking cans of Fosters at the weekend or whatever. And then, you know, harder stuff comes along and I was kind of yeah. like, oh, fuck this, like, it's a yeah. shit. Um, and yeah, and obviously, you know, just I liked a lot of bands that were straight edge. And then, you know, through that, like met other people, like became friends with people who were straight edge in the scene and stuff like that. Still had all my old friends and, you know, dipping in and out of seeing them at parties and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, that was it really. And then um, I stretched for like eight years, eight or nine years. Um, and I joined, I was, after I left Hang the Bar, so I joined a band um, with a few other friends and um, yeah, they used to drink and stuff like that, but they weren't like getting wrecked on like Stella every weekend. Not you know, Stella's res- fairly respectable these days. I have, a, I have a pint of that every now and then, but you know, weren't just getting smashed. Like we used to, maybe they'd go out for a couple of beers and it was a bit yeah. nicer. And I was like, oh, it's not really like you can, you can be a responsible adult and yeah. it's fine. And you know, there are beers out there that t- taste, I sound like a bit of a fucking crop beer wanker but um you know what i mean like there's there's beers out there that are kind of they're night they're nicer and you're like oh this is actually this tastes nice and it's not like shit and it's brewed by like a small company or, or whatever you yeah, know what i mean yeah. so yeah and i was kind of like i didn't really feel like i needed to like steer away from it at that time as i got older basically but yeah. it was definitely the when i was young it was the right thing for me to do at the time. So I was like going to college and stuff like that. And yeah. being straight kind of like centered me a little bit. And yeah, here we are. No, that's, that's, that's fair. I, I've always been curious because it, it, you know, like you said, it was such a big thing, but yeah, you know, you made that choice for personal reasons, but mm. I mean, this might be a little bit judgment. I don't know, but there was a lot of it. It just came with the scene, didn't it? If, if you're into that, yeah. people felt like they had to kind of be with it. I mean, I remember going to see bands like Earth Crisis back in the day and feeling yeah. a little guilty because I was going to the bar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of those bands were very vocal about like if people yeah, were quite drinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, they were obviously, obviously they were like a hardline, hardline band as well. But, you know, man, all, all the all the people that from that era, there's not going to be many of them that are still fucking nail to the cross. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah, there's <laughs> honestly like all the bands. So we did a Hang the Bastards split with this band called Abolition, um, which is now lots of those dudes have gone on. Like Charlie, who's the singer in Chubby in the Gang, and he's in um, the Chisel, and a bunch of those kind of that that era of bands. You know, most yeah. of those most of those dudes are not edge anymore. You know what I mean? And I think you get older and you can be you can have a fucking beer and be responsible. But when, you're, but when you're a young idiot, being straight edge kind of sorts you out sometimes. It's kind yeah, of, I, I, yeah, I, it's I kind of a good thing, that. even if you are peer pressured into it, maybe like it's probably sort you out. And then when you get older, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not a fucking idiot anymore. And I can have a, have a few beers and not do anything stupid. Yeah. I think we can all, um, I think we can all look back to when we were teenagers and early twenties and think, ah, oh, yeah, I was a dick back then. Yeah, most exactly. Related to alcohol. I mean, I was probably a dick when I was straight edge as well. I mean, there was a time when I was when I was straight edge and vegan, so I was definitely a prick to some people. <laughs> I carried on being being vegan, but you know that's a that's a hard line combo right yeah, there. It is. Yeah, there's that's some ego attached to that. 
Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that's a potent mix, straight edge and vegan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not going to get pissed up, and I'm definitely not going to go for a dodgy kebab afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dodgy um, falafel. Yeah. <laughs> you have a few cokes and a dodgy falafel after the you show. Know, I mean, it. I've, I've, the, the amount of times though, and I think, you know, it would be great to have some dodgy falafel late night. It's brilliant, you know, man. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, but Dude, what the does falafel it do shop near no. us is amazing. Oh. And it's. Yeah, I went, I went, I went to this. Um, I remember going to, uh, when I was in Canada, because my wife's Canadian. And um, she took me to this like place called Shawarma King. And oh, I yeah, had this like fun. yeah, yeah, I had this like falafel wrap and I remember eating it in the car, just going, and I was like, this sandwich is the best single argument I've ever seen for immigration. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that good. And I'm like, you know, why yeah. isn't there more of this in the UK? I mean, yeah, depending where you go, I mean, there's Camden, you know, there's some, you know, stand, standard thing. If you go to the Black Heart or you go to the Underworld, you go to the Woody Grill. The king of falafel is is not the king. He's like a fake. But the Woody Grill is is the real king. That's where you go. That's like a, even if I've already eaten dinner, I'm like going to the Woody Grill on the way home. You know, for the falafel. Yeah. But yeah, no, I get what you mean. All the all the best food is not English, man. <laughs> like, when, people, when people were pissed off about immigration, I'm like yo, like come on, I'm not one to knock British food. But you're not going to go yeah. for a roast. You're not going to go for a roast beef and Yorkshire pudding at three in the morning after a gig, are you? I mean, maybe I no, absolutely not. Maybe there, maybe there's a maybe there's a place somewhere that does that. And I've always thought, you know, screw the kebabs and stuff. If I could go and get a really good bacon sandwich at two thirty in the morning with a good cup mm. of tea, I'd be quite happy with that. Or where we're from, because we're both from Cornwall. Me and right. Trigenza remember. Back in the day when you used to go to nightclubs and they would sell Cornish pasties on the door at two in the morning on the way out. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, some good, that was some good munch. Yeah, I'd be into that. I've definitely, I think even on a, me and my girlfriend were coming home one night recently and we just smashed a like, it, obviously not a good one. It was just a Ginster's like vegan <laughs> pasty, but cold on the way home and yeah, it sorted me out for a bit. So yeah, I can. Yeah, if you got a, a really good, nice Cornish one, yeah, yeah, you see that it's a it's a it's a market that's gagging to to exist. I think you, you know, yeah. past these after being on the piss, yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. In, in all seriousness, though, because because I mean, let's get back onto the the, the <laughs> main main subject. Um, <laughs> so, like, with the, you were talking about like the scene and being straight edge and also vegan and stuff like that. So, do you? I mean, we we talk a lot about scenes on, on yeah. this podcast and. Yeah. We've talked, um, like we've done a lot of like reading in there's an academic discipline that's actually called metal studies. And it's a combination of right. anthropology, sociology, things like that. Yeah. And um, a lot of, um, we were talking a, f- a few weeks ago about um, the kind of the, why people get into metal. Mm. This is idea that if you're on, if you perceive yourself as being on the periphery of, of, of accepted groups, you kind of look to form your own group and therefore you mm. impose your own set of criteria and rules upon that group. Mm. So it just, it, I mean, from my experience with like, you know, being friends with people who are straight edge and into that scene, it, 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 it did seem quite very partisan and very almost prohibitive as like, you're, you're not deemed as being authentic if you are not straight edge in that scene. 
Like there's, yeah. there's, there's no room for kind of a differentiation. It's like if you're a straight, mm. if you're a band playing in that scene, you have to be straight edge. Otherwise, your credentials are questioned. From a musical yeah. perspective, it, is that something you would agree with? Or, um, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I guess like, I mean, obviously, a lot of straight edge bands do do mix in the scene. I think, maybe. There might have been, I think in America, maybe there was more of just like a strict, straight, more of like a big enough scene where it could just all be straight edge bands. In the UK, I don't think you couldn't, there wasn't like solid straight edge shows all the time. I mean, every now and then you would get like a fest or something like that, but there's just like not enough bands to do it. So, you know, like Hang the Bastard, for example, we were like an integrity worship riff band, but we used to play straight edge bands all the time. But I don't think our... But then again, I was straight edge, so maybe I felt included in it. I don't know. Maybe that was why. It's a hard one. I don't know. But yeah, I know what you mean. There is a, there is a rigidness to it as well. And there is a lot of like talk about, oh, this band's legit, that band's not, and that sort of thing. And there can be lots of different factors that make that band legit or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like if you, if, it's, if a band gets popular and you're like, no one knows who the members are, that's the thing. Do you know what I mean? If it's people from other bands who have been in other bands that are popular, oh, you know, automatically that band's like a legit band in the scene. You know what I mean? So it can be like kind of like that as well. You also got to remember it's a bunch of young people that that the scene is made of. It's not like real adults. Well, actually, that's really rude to say. It's, it is adults, but like it is younger people predominantly. Yeah. So I guess that's why they're like, there's that, there's always that need for like hierarchy and things like that, I guess. That's a, good, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think as well, there seems to be, especially when you're young, the need, the, there's a, a very strong desire to be in a clique. Yeah. And in a clique where you've got some influence over who's accepted mm. into that clique. And if not drinking and doing drugs is a way of gatekeeping people that you don't want to associate with out of your clique, then, you know, mm. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm, you know, yeah. that's, that, we all do that. We all like our little, um, you know a bit of tribalism every now and again yeah yeah you know? of course yeah. humans are definitely you know yeah. obviously massively tribalistic as well i think i think like what i said about like the uk and my experience of, of being involved in hardcore obviously i was straight edge and i had straight edge friends but i was in a band with like total piss heads so i wasn't like i was kind of in the middle i wasn't really like you know i want you know i was they were my best friends who were in the band and they used to love getting on it. And I was just like the dedicated, the, the designated driver most of the time, you know what I mean? And I was totally cool with that. And then I had other friends who were straight edge through, through bands that we knew. And it, it wasn't like, there was never really that, like no one ever got kicked off at a show or anything like that. I think you used to hear a lot more about that, like happening in America. Yeah. Um, like if you ever watched that, um, there's that DVD Boston beatdown. It's like super old and super ridiculous, but there was like, just like straight edge, gangs fighting and stuff like that and i don't think you ever really not in not since i got in, involved in it which was like the mid to sort of like the early noughties 2010s that sort of thing um you didn't really have that kind of like gang gang sort of culture around it i suppose it's a bit yeah everyone's a bit more relaxed here i guess do you want to go back to um hang the bastard just quickly because mm. um before I, I sort of clocked you guys, I, I had no idea that you and Simon were in Hang the Bastard. I, I loved Hang the Bastard back in the day. I remember um, someone gave me uh, an EP that had like a, a sort of a green sort of psychedelic cover on it. Yeah, Raw Sorcery. That's like it, our first yeah, that's EP. It, that's yeah. it. I, it's been driving me nuts what that was called, but yeah. yeah. And um, and hearing that, and you know, I was told, oh, this is like a like a hardcore band doing Doom. And 
It's almost yeah. like it's almost like Hang the Bastard were a bit ahead of your time with the whole crossover thing because you, you were, like I said, mixing with hardcore and straight edge bands, mm. but essentially playing, you know, like a doomy, almost Sabbathy type. Method, yeah. You know, and um, I, I yeah, I, I fucking loved it. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was definitely the vibe. Um, so it was, it was me and my friend Sam. It was his it was his idea to start the band. And um, he came up with well, his brother actually came up with the name and we adopted that. Um, we were originally going to be wanted to be called Bastard Squad, like after the Young Ones episode. Um, but there, there was already a band called that and they looked a bit scary. So we didn't want to mess around with them. Um, so we called ourselves Hang the Bastard. And his, his idea is literally just what you say. It was like, you know, he was a massive integrity fan and yeah. he was like, you need, he was like, you need to go listen to Humanity's Devil by Integrity. And he's like, I want to do that with Sabbath riffs. And I was like, yeah, sounds sick. Like, well, I was always, since I was a little kid, a huge Sabbath fan. Um, and then through, through my friend, Sam, who, who was, who's the guy who started the band, got into Integrity. And that's like my favorite, that's still my favorite hardcore band. I'd say in Humanities, there was probably my favorite hardcore record still today. It's amazing. It's only like seven songs or something like that, yeah. but it's, you know, opens up with vocal test into hollow. Fucking brilliant. I mean, the first thing we the first thing we ever did as a band was learn hollow as a cover um and we used to play that live quite a lot as well um but yeah that was the thing man and yeah i just wanted to do that like there's sort of big riffs then around that time there were a few there were a few other bands kind of doing it quite a few like american bands that were doing similar yeah. stuff like war hungry yeah. uh, iron age was like a big influence on us and now those like I'm pretty sure Arthur was in who was in war pretty sure he was in War Hungry. He's in Eternal Champion now with like Jason oh, yeah. Yeah. from Iron Age. So that's all sort of moved on. Um but yeah, those were the kind of like modern bands that we were sort of into at the time as well. But yeah, it was it was purely like hardcore with Sabbath riffs. And we got well into like Electric Wizard. Like around that time, like Electric Wizard released uh, Witch Cult Today, and we were just like all over it that you know they were like our favorite band for ages. Uh, me and Sam were massive Danzig fans as well, so we would try to sort of incorporate that kind of side. So we both got like Danzig tattoos and and shit like that. Yeah, anything with like riff, big riffs, and we would just like scale that down into chugging riffs. Like Cena, who was the guitarist, kind of very similar to in Human Nature. Like Cena was really into thrash and loved like suicidal tendencies and bands like that, and he was into negative approach. Whereas like Sam was way more into yeah, like the riffier. Riffier yeah. side of things, he, he was massive into like High on Fire and stuff like that. Like they released a couple, they released a couple of albums with, by, around the time when we were starting that band. So it's just, yeah, just that really. And you got back together, did a few shows, sort of before the pandemic, didn't you? Around sort of twenty nineteen ish, was it? Um, yeah, yeah, we did. So I think we did one show um, a couple of years, but two or three years before that, it was like, and we did, we did the album in full plus a couple of songs and then um and we did we did do a show like a week later or something and then yeah we played um upsurge festival on like the friday of that and we because we did raw sorcery we did that whole ep it was only six songs it didn't take very long and then we did a bunch of other um stuff from the album as well but yeah that was really fun so yeah, really good we did there was talk there was like loose drunk talk of doing another album but i think that's just been squashed <laughs> i think it was literally a drunk conversation um but you never know you never know you know as i think i mean obviously i quit the band and they carried on and got way more doom 
they were yeah. they were just really entrenched in like the doom and kind of sludge scene like that sort of desert fest scene yeah i guess yeah. you could call it um and uh, people had kids and stuff like that so you know maybe, maybe down the line but but me and simon are kind of super busy within human nature to even be able to do it like every now and then people kind of pop up they're like oh do you want to do this and we're just like don't even think we can yeah don't even have the time to do it even if like yeah we all kind of like we all like hanging out and stuff but yeah it's just finding the time to do it i have noticed by even just via social media that you look like a very busy man so it's um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but so you and you and simon were in hang the bastard you you joined in human nature just before the first demo was recorded that's right yeah yeah so it was um these two guys who are obviously not in the band now um and a couple of other floating members yeah. um jack jack who's our bassist now who, who was who has been since um just everything after the demo i think he did go to a practice or two with them yeah um but he didn't like the drummer so he was didn't want to do it basically and when he heard he left he was our oh, come back now so <laughs> that's kind of it um and he was a massive hang the bastard fan so when when we said oh like simon's joined it he was like yeah i want to do it um so yeah and that was it um yeah i think, I think we went off, i went off uh, track there no no it's, it's yeah it's- it's, it's kind of it's, it's evolved i mean i, I discovered you guys yeah. a year or so ago i suppose i saw you for the first time at bloodstock a few weeks back right um which you know quarter to 12 in the morning was just perfect for a fucking friday yeah. morning when it's 40 degrees outside um but talking about your influences and stuff like that well you know let's do all this i can definitely hear slayer like you said in the hardcore yeah. and I, I can hear i can hear again like you said new and british heavy metal particularly mm. more raw stuff like venom and you know angel yeah yeah it's just a blend that works really well and as we, we've already said there's a lot of crossover bands but there's a lot of really good traditional for want of a better word heavy metal bands now we did a an episode yeah. a few weeks back just looking at the whole new wave of traditional heavy metal thing and yeah yeah i suppose you kind of fit into that when i saw the artwork for the for your for your album i assumed you were mm. a power metal band Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I listen saw to them. Like, yeah, this is this is the shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I totally. Get, I mean, we all. I, I mean, I especially really love a lot of like the new, you know, really into like you know the the original new wave of British heavy metal. Um, but you know now you've got so many good bands as well, like Heavy Sentence. Fucking amazing, man. They should be as big, they should be bigger than Saxon. I don't know why they're not. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand that album they did was incredible and their seven inches are great as well and they're amazing. Um, you know, Aggressive Perfector, they kind of fit more in like the Venom side of things, I guess. So they're going a little, yeah, I saw that. Good shirt. Great band. Um, you know, they're getting a little bit more Voivody these days, but that's cool. Um, seven Sisters are doing really well. See, they've been at it for a really long time. Um, yeah, they're doing really good things at the moment as well. You know, it's Parish who um, we just became friends with recently. We did a show with them a week or so before Bloodstock. Um, and they're more, I guess they're more on like, more in line with sort of like Witchfinder General, yeah. Angel yeah. Witch, a bit more sort of like, bit, very chill actually, but yeah, just fucking solid riffs. Yeah, there's so much good stuff going on. Yeah, the the, the, it's awesome. The scene in the UK is is, is very strong. Yeah, you know, there's some absolutely. Really stuff. I mean, we had uh, we had one of the guys from Tailgunner on a few weeks ago as well. I mean, obviously they're oh yeah they're very new, you know. They're kind of yeah just just kind of sort of coming to life. But 
you know, they're, they're proper traditional heavy metal. Yeah. We saw them at, I saw them at the Dev a few weeks back, and yeah, I was, I was really impressed. And it's, it's so good to see without wanting to sound like an elitist, but just proper heavy metal, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's something that wasn't almost. It obviously, it's all obviously heavy metal has always been popular, but like, you know, when I when I was like straight edge vegan who loved like you for today, I used to think Iron Maiden was fucking rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought I see dudes going in like loads of mates and Iron Maiden shirts. I'd be like, look at these fucking saddos. But now I'm like, that's it. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Now I'm like the total opposite. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, so I don't know, man. But I feel like there was probably a period where like it just. And, and obviously scenes do, they come and go, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. same in hardcore. Every every five to six years, everyone just wants to sound like a 90s metalcore band and then there'll be youth crew, then there'll be more death metal stuff. And it must, it's probably the same in metal as well. There'll be periods where everyone wants to be kind of more stonery yeah. and then everyone wants to be more trad. Like, you know, <clears> I feel like crossover really peaked in 2019 next year it could come back again you know who knows obviously bands you know the cycle the bands that release albums then obviously we're writing a new album maybe other bands will do the same thing you know and that crossover will be popular again and stuff like that we spent the last three weeks because you know we're all sort of early 40s we spent the last three weeks um looking at the 90s and obviously oh, we, mm. we we rounded off the 90s with with new metal which you know, it was was the was a gateway for a lot of people back then. And yeah. People and whether they carried on with with metal is, is another thing. But yeah, did you ever go through that? I mean, you're sort of mid thirties, aren't you? Did you ever go through new metal? Yeah, absolutely. That was like, yeah, I was like prime age for new metal. Yeah, I remember going to buy the first Slipknot album. I was thinking about this today, actually. I was, I did wonder if we would talk about new metal really. And I remember going to the HMV in Harrow. It actually might have even been like Virgin or something. I bought the first Slipknot album, not even having heard it. I just heard people talking about it and how like heavy it was and stuff yeah. like that. And I bought the second Cold Chamber album with it, which was a mistake. And <laughs> oh, it came God. so bad. I mean, I could have gone for the first one. At least that would be like reasonable. It's got Loco on it. But yeah, the second one is so shit. And it, but it came with a free... Did you guys... You probably did. Did you ever get the Drill in the Vein videos? Do you ever have those? Yeah. Amazing. I was thinking, I wish I still had that, man. So maybe it's in my parents' loft or something. This one of the re, one of the main motivations for this, the inception of this podcast, was to actually try and get me to listen to anything after 1994. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Right. Because, like, I mean, uh, I remember it was my first year at uni. People were like, "Dude, you got to buy some new stuff. Like, just start yeah. listening to something different." And I just went into the you know record shop in Cardiff and just went right. I keep hearing people talk about these, this band called Fear Factory. Right, bought okay. Obsolete. I bought Obsolete and it, it was so bad that I just was like, <laughs> I am no, I am, fuck this new stuff. I'm going to just stick with my period of like 1975 to about 94. It's a good period, and, uh, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so, so like, you know, what I, what I like is that, you know, I can go now, I can go away and listen to bands. Like in human nature, like lowest mm. creature, like power trip. There's a load of other stuff I found literally in the last twelve weeks mm. because of this podcast. And I think, yeah. right, yes, if this stuff was around back then, I would have yeah, definitely imagine. listened to it. It's great now. Um, 
the, we'd I mean, probably I actually be we probably would have actually made some money if we were a band in the early 90s we'd yeah we could actually, actually sell music yeah would have been able to bought a house or some shit but like now <laughs> like jesus like i mean i just like um firstly i think obsolete by fear factory is just bollocks it's a shit album i should, probably should have bought d manufacturer maybe i, I think that's the one. one right yeah yeah but like um you know you're talking about scenes coming around so we we we, we talked at length about new metal last week is that yeah. a scene that needs to die and not come back? Or it's coming back, man. Like it's, it is. It's, you know, you had bands like. I mean, I'm not really into it, but there, you know, that band Vane. They called like Vane FM. Yeah, I know. And yeah, 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 fucking very new metal bonkers. Yeah. yeah, like people go crazy at their shows. I don't know if it's still as popular as it was, but um, yeah, that was definitely like new metal vibes. Um, Who else? Tala. Tala. No, I don't think so. Oh, go go and have a listen. I mean, it, it is it's it is run of the mill new metal, but they've tried to give it like a I don't know. Yeah. Like when Disturbed first came along, and it was all supposed to be Mad Davy Dream and all this kind of nonsense. Right. They've kind of gone. We're we're a bit fucked up. We're a bit weird. And this. Oh is, god. But it it's, it just feels like new metal did it. It's worst. It feels really gimmicky. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's that's, definitely. That's what you know who I like, this could be an unpopular opinion or not, but if I, I reckon if they released their first album now, it would be massive. And that's that band Kitty. Their first Kitty <laughs> album is actually quite banging, I would say. And they're still going. It's actually pretty good. And I feel like, you know, that's quite like a little hidden new metal gem, actually. You know, people, not get, people are not going to talk to me anymore after saying that. But um, I'll, do, I'll do the right thing. It's all right. Yeah. And I'll go, and I, you know what? I'll um, I'll give it the car test on the way into work tomorrow morning. I'll it listen. feels like that maybe they came from like a metal core. Maybe yeah, they were I, into I, metal yeah, core beforehand, and it and they were obviously it went a little bit like corp, they went corporate with it or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of cool. But yeah, yeah I don't know, know. I don't know. Does new metal need to die? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I loved it, man. When I was a kid, I loved it, man. I went to see Limp Biscuit. I went to see yeah, but it's like not it? a few times. Okay. Um, Disturbed. I went to Ozfest. Obviously, apart from Sabbath, that was just new metal. Um, Slipknot. I we we can get behind. Not yeah, yeah. Slipknot, Slipknot developed into something completely different, didn't they? Mm. You know, they'd... I mean, if 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 Disturbed had released the song. The sickness in 2020, they would have been. Oh my huge. god! <laughs> um, you don't. You think they would be? You don't think they would be huge? Like if no, they, they would released... have been. And then if they'd released the sickness in 2020, in about maybe say May, May 2020, just as COVID was really peaking. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, but no, um, yeah, they just disturbed. Were like, I mean, our, the common consensus with me and Trigenza is that disturbed were a band who are old enough to know better. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a lot of that with new metal, like pandering. Um, yeah, like, I guess if you uh, think about it, we're like Slipknot. They're really young. Yeah, and it's no, quite yeah. raw yeah. in a way. Slipknot. If you think about the first record, it's very like raw sounding album, kind of. Yeah, very chaotic and stuff like that. But yeah, this I mean, I mean, was very much like they knew what they wanted to do. <laughs> like last week, the we had the Adam from Metal Hammer on. And uh, okay. I, said, I said to him, I said, look, just give me three new, because he his job was to, to defend new metal. That's what we brought him on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because we wanted an advocate, like, you know, you know, devil's advocate kind of thing. Yeah. And um, uh, I said to him, I said, just give me three albums and I'll go away and listen to them. And it was Pod, Satellite, 
or POD satellite. Uh, so you're mm. living by Limbiscuit and um, around the fur by Deftones. Now, to be fair, I, Ooh, I was okay. quite I was quite familiar with the Deftones, and yeah. I've got no problem with the Deftones. I'm not going to go away and listen to them all the time, but you know, it's, it's one of those bands where, like Steve uh, Trigenza says, the car test. I'm like, I'm the ju- jukebox test. If I'm in a bar and it comes on the jukebox, am I going to get pissed off? No, Deftones are fine. Mm. I listen no, to fine. POD. I listen to POD. What an absolute fucking sack of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, rubbish. Like, I'm, I, first thing, take your fucking Christianity and fuck mm. off. I don't want it anywhere near my metal. Um, yeah, I agree. So, but like, um, again, my, my wife's Canadian, right? She's not, she's not into new metal. She's, uh, she likes other stuff. But she was coming and she goes, that's that song that they played before the hockey in Canada. I was like, which song? She goes, that, um, here comes the boom. But like, right. you look at the lyrics, you look at the song titles, they are, it, it's their puerile. Um, mm. And, or they're just so predictable. And then significant other, I just, I can't get into Fred Durst's voice. I, I, I like hip hop. I like metal. Mm. I just can't. I will say this though. I think I said, I said to Dragenza, that song break stuff is like it's it's new metals version of we're not going to take it by twisted sister it's, yeah yeah that's yes i like that yeah yeah and it's like um, and it's a very well crafted song because it's it's got mm. the structure of that song that is what you're going to get you're going to that mosh pit is going to be wait waiting for that yeah that yeah halfway through it, so it's it's a good song it's a very well put together song but but moments mm. like that in the biscuit for me are too few and far between yeah um, there's not there's not a lot of that is yeah. there i mean i was uh i think i was inducted into limp biscuit world with chocolate starfish that was probably what i first got into i don't think i even owned significant other his, probably had a download illegal download of breaks his, his voice on that album the chocolate starfish album it's it's so annoying and he's got that kind of really it's, it's whiny and it's not mm. you know i mean angst is one thing whining is something from you know, I'm sorry, just yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened, I've listened to a, I've still listened to a lot of emo and, and screamo stuff as well, so yeah, but I know the mean there, there is a difference between angst and just being a fucking whiny little bastard, <laughs> like, yeah, especially being like a whiny, an, little, the angsty vibe. an entitled whiny white man, you know, so yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, well, you know, you've probably seen that documentary about Woodstock, he's definitely, yeah, it's got that vibe as well, but that's, that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, POD, yeah, no. They're still going. I saw they were doing a tour in America and Malevolence are the opening bands to yeah. that. And I was like, wow. Cool, cool for Malevolence. You know, that's sick. But I was like, what the fuck are POD? Like, what's going on? Is that think, still a um, thing? I think for Malevolence right now, it's all about as much exposure as they can get. Isn't it? They oh, were- yeah. No, I'm not like... Yeah, I think they, they that's like 100% like an amazing move yeah, to do um, for any... But I mean, you know, fucking POD message in human nature, like you want to go and tour, I'd probably be like, yeah, all right. Like, that'd be fucking weird and Sell interesting yourself. to do. I mean, like, fuck their music, but, you know, fair enough. But yeah, I saw the name pop up and I was like, couldn't even believe they were like still going, still doing it for the Lord, you know? Praise the Lord. Mm. Yeah. It it's was- funny that, I mean, Christians make the worst music 
but Krishna's make the best hardcore music as well. Almost yeah. some weirdly, all my favorite hardcore bands are like Krishna, like Shelter, yeah, yeah. Um, like 108. There's well, that's literally like two bands, but they they make really good hardcore music. But any Christian hardcore band or metalcore band like can go fuck themselves. But like if you're Krishna, your band's probably really good. That's probably. like that's where I draw the line. Or if you're a Muslim, actually, because like uh, Race Traitor, pretty sure they were Muslim. Um, that's like Andy Hurley from Fallout Boy is in that band. They are suffering. I think the members of that band were Muslim as well. But yeah, it's just Christians just can't do it. All their music fucking sucks. It's too judgmental as well, Christianity. Far too judgmental. It just yeah. feels like you're being preached at. Do you know what I mean? They yeah, and like, you know, that. as well, you know, you may have to forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive you for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, Unforgivable music, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, Creed and shit like that. Oh, don't, don't, oh. don't really start on Creed. Unforgivable. Yeah, yeah, it's bonkers, man. Massively unforgivable. Yeah. Um, so I'll steer it back to in human nature for a minute. <laughs> That's kind of kind of why you're here, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I saw you guys live for the first time at Bloodstock a few weeks ago, like I said. And um mm. and one thing I noticed is so yourself, you seem very relaxed and very laid back. Uh, yeah. and you kind of casually come onto stage and then so almost as a band, you just let rip into this 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 fucking wall of noise that mm. is just so much aggression. It's so in your face, but so full of hooks. Um, it's almost like it's almost like I wasn't expecting that. If you know what I mean, right? I wasn't. You know, when you when you bashed out breaking the law as well. I know you you drop a few covers and, and that into your set, but yeah, I think um, the pit went nuts for it, didn't it? You know, at that time yeah. of the morning, it was. You know, you never you never know what's going to happen, do you? When you, you come on in yeah. the morning at a festival, how it's going to go? But I think, yeah, you know, it, it went down well. What was your experience like with Bloodstock in general? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, I definitely really like wanted to. I definitely wanted to play it for a long time. I was sort of always yeah every, you know, year and year years would go by, and I'd be like, oh, when's it our time? And then you know, <laughs> this this year was our time yeah. to do it, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, it was great. But what was really nice about it, obviously, you know, I, you know, you're not super far away from from the crowd, and I could I could pick out people who I knew or like had come to a lot of our shows, yeah, in the past or like kind of recently before that as well. So it was really nice that there was people there who were like already been to see us as well, yeah. and they were kind of kicking off, like kind of getting things going. And obviously, there's a you know a fucking thousand more people who have probably never seen us before or heard us before, which is really good, but. Yeah, it's just great. Um, I was meant to walk on with a sword. It was meant to be a little bit less relaxed, but um, our our bassist Jack couldn't make the show, so we had a fill in. Based our friend Daro plays a back called Dungeon, who are I know fucking excellent. Yeah, Check them out. Yeah. Um, so he filled in on bass, but he does not have any weapons um, <laughs> at his disposal. Uh, or we did actually bring like a a, a bullhorn, like you know, like a police horn. Like a yeah, you know, what's the thing I'm talking? You know, you speak for it like a, a loudspeaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It has yeah, a yeah. it has a siren on it as well. But I I decided that during breaking the law, I would get off the stage and go to the front. I didn't have time to get back on stage to to get the the alarm thing. And also, I really uh, underestimate how high the stage was. <laughs> and I got off it and I turned around. I was like, oh fuck! And I had to kind of like worm my way back onto it. And um, I, that. I don't, none of the official videos 
yeah, I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> None of the official yeah. videos caught it, but my girlfriend has a just she just like closed in on it as it was happening. <laughs> so yeah, that's that was a good thing to do in front of two thousand people. Um, that was nice. Did you hang around um, for the yeah, whole weekend? Anyway. Did you hang around for the whole weekend? No, um, I was there. I was obviously there that the Friday. Um, that was awesome. Kind of like I stuck. Obviously, went and watched like Testament Exodus. Yeah. Um, all the way all the way to the end of the day so i hate god that's fucking awesome um and then came back for um merciful fate basically came back it came back the next day for that i'm actually drinking a beer so in the day we me and my girlfriend went to the national brewery museum in burton which is nearby the fest and the beer that i'm drinking is is from that um and yeah i went back for merciful fate and that was like the best band i've seen in fucking years they, they, they were 10 amazing. years probably I, I I was skeptical. Amazing. I, I didn't know how. I didn't know if his voice was going to hold up. I didn't know what was going to what to expect. Yeah. But yeah, they they were they were amazing. Yeah. Awesome. yeah the, the band is solid. Like King Diamond is still really now as the vocals. And obviously, you know, trying to he's you know I don't know how old he is, but he's he's an older gentleman for sure. Yeah. Um, he can still nail it, man. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. You know, a lot of bands, um, lose it. You know, can't really kind of quite nail it. You know, so but he, yeah, he's still fucking on it. It's amazing, man. They just fucking smashed it out. I loved the bit when it, it was like, "We're gonna play a new song. It's nine minutes long," and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" <laughs> and it was amazing. And it was it was just solid and amazing. I was like, oh, "Fair enough." <laughs> it was just, it was, it was just yeah, great. it was it you, was proper fate, wasn't it? it, it yeah, could have you know. I do like the whole. He fact was like, not finished. He was like, the song's uh, not even finished yet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not even really finished yet. But I was like, it's still amazing. <laughs> No, they 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 were awesome. I got I I first went when we first went to Bloodstock in 2004 when it was indoor. I've been to a few of the wow. outdoor ones, but I haven't been for about 10 years. Yeah. And I know I know it was on last year, but this year was the first, I suppose, proper return after, yeah, yeah. after the pandemic. And it's such a great festival. I, I would yeah. never go to download now. You know, I'm getting old. I can't do that kind of shit anymore. It's too big, it's too much walking. But mm. there's something about Bloodstock and the atmosphere and the people. And just the general, without wanting to sound corny, it's just total acceptance that festival. Yeah, people just completely let themselves go. And it doesn't matter what you look like, what you dress like. It's just yeah, a, yeah. Complete, a complete free for it. And it was one of the best weekends I've had in 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 many years. And you know, yeah. great bands as well. It obviously helps. Yeah, it's a really good lineup. Um, it's definitely like I'm not really big into festivals like. I don't even know. The last time I paid to go to a festival was probably like Reading Festival, like when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. yeah, like a long, like a long thirty-five now. There's no way I'd go and like camp at like download as well. I've been to download once. I think I just went up for a day because I wanted to see High on Fire, and it was like the year that Kit, it was like Kiss, Judas Priest, yeah, and Motorhead headlined one stage. Um, but yeah, it's massive. But I really like the vibe of bloodstock like kind of like you're saying so like i could go watch something on the main stage quickly grab a beer easily catch something on another yeah. stage like you can just it's big enough that if you bump into someone that you know you might not see them again yeah but you probably will but you can catch as many bands as you want there's not any crazy clashes or anything like that or maybe you miss like five minutes five ten minutes of someone or something like that just nice being it's able to stroll world, up to the know? main stage and just you know and you not having to just worm through people and it's, yeah yeah you know, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm going. I'm probably going to go again next year because I kind of got the bug again a little bit now. It was yeah. It was a tough weekend. It was a tough weekend though with the heat. It was um. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, 
woke up at sort of like seven o'clock every morning and my tent was like felt like 50 degrees and you kind of drag yourself out and yeah. find a shadow somewhere to sleep in it was yeah it was hard going me me and my girlfriend stayed in an airbnb because i know like we wouldn't been able to camp um and it was well live laugh love inside this airbnb but it, you know what it was sick like <laughs> i just got <laughs> just got a lift down there like to the fest each day and then went back and it was awesome but yeah, no, I, I think I would have I would have struggled camping. I'm just like my, you know, I sleep in any sort of weird position and my back's fucked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you made the right. I, I like being comfy. Yeah. You, but yeah, great festival. Back to back to your original point. It was it was a good festival to do. It was really awesome. As well, was, hopefully. Yeah, I, obviously, I doubt. You know, obviously, you tend not to do it year after year unless you're you know, some amazing band, big band or whatever. Even that, you probably don't do it. But hopefully the year after next, hopefully. Or year after that, we get an invite back. That'd be awesome. I'm I'm thinking thinking next year, next year at Bloodstock, right? In the Abyss, live. Well, Bloodstock. That's that's the plan. Um, I I will be getting in touch with with Vicky Mm. um, because we, we are, you know, it was a bit early this year, but next year we'll definitely be doing some live stuff at Bloodstock 100%. Nice. So, so that well, you've, got, you've got to book me in early, otherwise I'm going to fucking work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like one of these flash UK teachers that gets paid in July and August. I get, my, my cut-off date is June the 17th next year. So like, if I'm going to go for three months of that work, then it's got to be for a fucking good reason. Well, and that yeah, reason yeah. better be... Padres of Bloodstock. <laughs> um, yeah, hell yeah, man. What's, uh, so what's the plans with Inhuman Nature now over the next sort of six to 12 months? Are you writing and recording now? Yeah, yeah, writing a new album. We've been trying to get together to write for a while, but this year um, I, just made, I just made sure we were... Didn't, I didn't intend to make, make us busy, but we were really busy, especially for like... Basically, from January leading up to Bloodstock, we were super busy. We went on like three different tours. Um, we did, we put out an EP and stuff like that. So just, I don't, I was thinking, saying to someone the other day, I don't even think we've had a band practice this year. Like maybe once. Yeah, like we kind of just, normally we just rock up to a show um, and that's it. And we and we see how it goes. And then the shows kind of act like, they gra- they're like gradual band practices in a way. But we are, we actually have like booked in like writing sessions and um, we're all going to get together in the next month or so. Ben, so what's quite nice is that Ben will, he he plays guitar for like a job. He teaches guitar. Right, okay. He just finished like doing a master's in playing guitar. So he does, he plays in a, he plays in a covers band and stuff like that. Um, so he's been sending out, he sent over a batch of demos the other day that were really cool. And he's got another load as well. I think he said he wants to write like 18 or 20 songs. And then we're going to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff and all that sort of stuff as bands do um and we're good we are going to record in january not not an album we're just going to do like a new single yeah maybe a cover um that's to be decided yeah there's always inter there's always debates on what we should cover um and then yeah hopefully do maybe to try and do a new out record a new album by the summer next year or the end of the summer see what we can do with that um, but yeah, that's the plan. That's what I really want to focus on. We do have a couple of tours in the pipeline, um, but we're not doing like our own tours. We're just going to support yeah. other bands. We're yeah. not like this year. We did a, we we did a load of headline shows. Um, went to Europe and did that by ourselves and and stuff like that. But we're not really we're not like intentionally booking stuff in 
to do to do like our own stuff but we're like if offers come in we'll go and we'll yeah. see if, if they're good we'll make them happen and we've had a, we had a couple of decent offers come in already which is nice um so yeah we're doing that basically we might end up just being really busy even though if we don't want to be um but yeah we're not intentionally being busy next year it's just like the main focus has to be a new album i mean we did an album in 2019 and um you know it's time it's time to do a new one do you think um is it hard now you know everyone having i was speaking to simon a little bit before i sort of got in touch with you and he's talking about mm. you know trying to balance having kids and a normal life yeah. and all that kind of thing how, how difficult is it for you all to just get together and do this these days because life does get in the way doesn't it yeah i mean yeah it's it can be difficult for us um i mean i'm normally we can only practice on a sunday if anything and i just started working at crypt of the wizard on a sunday so i just totally blocked that out um so i have to see if i can get someone to cover my shift um when we do have a practice and when we do um um two of the lads live in hastings like yeah. we were meant to play we were meant to play in derby tomorrow but there's train strikes yeah. on where they live so they got which you know i support the strikers you know you do what you got to do um but we were meant to play in derby so we can't do that and my car got stolen so i can't even go and pick them up i saw all this shit has been going on yeah bastards it's a total shit heap man they definitely just scrapped it or used it for crime yeah but you know whatever 100 percent. it's fine um Absolutely yeah simon's obviously got a kid like like, like you said you know he's he's the dad he's the the dad of the band and an actual dad which is probably why he's really good at it does all the admin um Arvo, our bassist, you know, he he can't drive and he lives in the middle of nowhere. So it's just like, yeah, it's a bit tricky sometimes. But, you know, whatever, you know, it's fine. But the way we do it, you know, Ben like sends over tracks and we all like, you know, we all kind of learn it or I write lyrics to it. And then we come and when we do get together, we try to do sort of make sure the practices are like meaningful. And yeah. we get there with like a purpose of being like we're doing these songs Um hopefully in the studio normally what happens in studios there'll be some sort of like improv in improvisation improvisation however you pronounce that word um and things get changed naturally which is really good i think that's really important with songwriting you know i don't i don't think you should go in being like this is the song i think you want to have a template and then you go in and things get changed based on like how other people play it or you might just switch things up stuff like that but we normally just make sure we do a few long practices and and sort of smash it out but when we when we did the first album i feel like we wrote it in like two months or something we were just like go whatever reason at that time we were just going to practice like once a week and smashing it out but life is just not that way at the minute have you got any long-term goals for it i mean you know we're doing music these days you never know what's going to happen do you but do you mm. see anything sort of five six seven ten years down the line um i mean i definitely still I mean, hopefully in human nature, still a band. Um, you know, I love being in the human nature. I feel like out of the bands I've done, it's led up to this. And that's what I feel most comfortable doing, like vocally, is in this band. Um, I don't see any reason why we would stop. You know what I mean? But I definitely like to, obviously, I want to do a new album. And obviously, hopefully that is well received. Obviously, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> you know, because our, yeah, our first album, I, did, I wasn't sure how people... It did really, I think, you know, in terms of us being a small band, it did really well. I didn't yeah. really expect it to. And a lot, and people still buy it today and talk about it. So I'm like, we have to, when you have to do that follow-up, it's like, this is actually scary. 
Yeah. Um, you don't want people to fucking panic or whatever. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you just take it on the chin, but obviously you want it to do well. Um, obviously, I'd like to do some more. To- I'd like to tour, do more extensive touring of Europe. I'd like to get to the point where we could actually like do a lot more touring, but, you know, it is hard with other people's yeah. lives and stuff like that. Um, like to get out more to like Eastern Europe, things, places like that, maybe like, and then s- South as well, like come to Italy, never been down there before, you know, go through Spain, places like that. I definitely want to go on tour in America. I think that's, that will probably be the next thing. I think when we do an album, that will probably be what we do. Um, that would probably be the logical thing for us to do based on, if we look at like, it's really boring. Like if you're looking at stats, Obviously, we have like Spotify for artists and stuff like that. But if we look at stats, that's kind of like where the majority of people that listen to us are. So it would make sense to oh, go cool. and do some do some shows in America. Um, and yeah, I just want to I just want to do more of that. You know, just more touring, go to go to new places, um, and that's it. Really, it's what I'd like to do, and just obviously keep writing, doing more stuff. Um, it's not really like an end goal or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely a few things I want to do. You know, if the band was ever to break up or decide to break up, I'd be pissed off if we hadn't done a few things, you know. What's your, um, where do you draw your influ- influences from for like you know, writing the lyrics and things like that? Because you've, just, you've got some very, I think, creative song titles, I've got to say. I mean, The Handman oh, Draws Me is a great, it's a great song title. Satan's Claw, Lines in the Sand. These, I mean, they're, they're attractive enough. You see those in Spotify, mm. you give them, oh, fuck me, that sounds good. I'm going to listen to it, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are you, what do you base your, uh, your lyrics on? Well, is there a- lots of lots of different things, really. Like some of the songs, I mean, like "Lines in the Sand," for example. It's kind of about like I sort of thinking about like you know how wars are fought over borders and things like that, and people really fight over it. And it's like all you're really doing is you're fighting over lines in the sand, essentially. You know what I mean? It's fucking bullshit. Uh, things like that. So real life things, you know, that are just upset to see and that we will get pissed off about like war and you know racism and stuff like that um satan's claw for example though is actually named after a film called the blood on satan's claw so it really just i lifted it from a movie um that is an amazing film if you've never seen that it's a really great sort of like hammer horror era ish british film uh, and it's our basis jack's favorite film of all time so i kind of named it for him essentially kind of based on the lyrics um and he he is like a I hate to call him a nerd, but he is a nerd over this film. He will collect anything, anything he sees, like a magpie. If he sees anything related to this film, he fucking buys it. Doesn't doesn't care how much it costs. It's like he's getting it. That this film and Electric Wizard are like his vices, and he he's like a straight edge dude. He doesn't drink. He's like this movie and Electric Wizard is like probably inhibiting his life in some way or something like that. He's probably if he didn't if he didn't watch this movie, he probably could buy his own house by now or some shit. Um, like carnivorous lunar activities that's from American Wealth in London I just kind of like I was watching the movie and I was like I'm having that um, even though the song is kind of like total fiction you know stuff like that um, so it's a mixture really you know I'm really into horror movies always love horror movies um, I really love like H.P. Lovecraft stories stuff yeah. like that getting a bit more into like Michael Moorcroft, like the kind of more fantasy stuff. I was always into like the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. And I've actually started rereading Lord of the Rings just to see if that, you know, gives me any inspiration again, second time round. So stuff like that, really. So it's a mixture. Some of it, sometimes the lyrics might be about like real life things, but I dress it up in like fantasy. 
just kind of depends and then um but then you know like nuclear frost is kind of more like it's a little bit more straight up with like a brutal title yeah you know what i mean it's kind of like if, if we keep going the way we're going this is what's going to happen and obviously you know we're literally being threatened with like it's i don't really think it's actually going to happen but you know we do have people threatening the world with nuclear weapons yeah. and stuff like that so you know it's just about current events really it's a mixture sort of like classic thrash topics um and trad metal topics and then i just don't sing about like my love of pizza because i think it's fucking sad um and that's it i is love one, pizza there's a pizza sitting in front of me that i'm gonna I, I don't know, man. I mean, do i want to sing about it it's fucking lame it's the it's rubbish i think it's more i think if anything new metal can stay and pizza fresh can that can go in the bin i think i mean if it might be unpopular <laughs> to <laughs> say that Especially in the genre of music that my band plays. I, 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 I don't think singing about pizza is particularly bad. I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, have, have, you ever, have you ever been to Naples? No, I would love to, though, actually. Right. Yeah, if you were like a, if you were just like an Italian dude on the street singing about pizza, I'd be like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. If your band is based around it. You, you know, but you know, like when, you know, you, you, you see a lot of like TV shows and, uh, you know, of culinary shows and mm. They'll be like hyping a specific uh, in a cuisine. Yeah, like you know, and I've 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 lived in a quite a few different countries with a job I do. Uh, and the f- the first time I went to Naples and I had actual pizza in Naples, I was like, this is not overrated. This this actually mm. exceeds what I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be good, but it's even better. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, they they even have a um, a thing on the, sh- the street food. So what they do is they take an entire pizza and they actually right. fold it into four and then they just eat oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pizza quite yeah, That's like the way to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, there's loads of stuff like, um, you know, you can go to Sicily, you can get something called a pizzolo, which is um, like a whole pizza base, but then it's nice. got a lid on it. So it's like a sandwich. Wow. Fantastic. You've got Napoli again, you've got fried pizza. I'd eat you that, yeah. You go to Puglia, which is like the, you know, the heel of the boot. And um, you've, they've got things called panzerotti, which are like kind of deep fried pizza pockets, but they're about this big. Amazing. And they stuff it with like, you know, spinach and sausage and stuff. And it's like, it, it, that, that's their version of a dodgy kebab late at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's so good. Um, yes, yeah, so it's like, I mean, and then you go to Rome and they've got the square pizza. Yeah. But yeah, it's all Yeah, good. that shit's rad. Mm. Basing what, a genre, basing your genre of music around it? No, I'm just, no, nah, probably not. No. But like the thing, the thing that cracks me up about pizza here is that it obviously, you know, they're very puritanical. Like you yeah. can't put pine- like, I mean, I don't like pineapple on pizza, but they, they, they like they'll burn you as a witch if you do it. You know, <laughs> uh, they, but they, but then again, they go and they put they put hot dog, sausage, and chips on a pizza. They call it pizza americano, and I'm like, wow. how can you put hot dog, sausage on a pizza? That's okay, but you can't put ham and pineapple. I'm like. This is, I mean, this is this is like it's like the biohazard biohazard album Shades of Grey. You know, there's no black, there's no white. It's just Shades of Grey. It's just like, come on. You know? Yeah, they both sound. I mean, I I like pineapple. I don't mind it. I mean, depending depends on what sort of pizza I buy. If I'm getting a Papa John's, I might just smash pineapple and sweet yeah, corn on yeah, the pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit. But if I'm going, if I was going to order like a real Italian pizza, yeah, I probably wouldn't do. I probably wouldn't ask for that. Nah, the hot nah. dog and chips sounds good. If you can have a tofu dog and chips, I might I might be into that. Yeah, yeah. I could probably just do it myself. Just buy a frozen pizza and lob a couple of tofu dogs and that's something. 
Yeah, yeah. And then, and then my girlfriend would look at me in disgust. The sort of thing I would do at home is like, I would just make like shit dinners like that. She's just like, for fuck's sake, worked all day. What is this? I put hot dogs. I put hot dogs in pasta recently. She was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, idiot. It was, I, I loved it, but she, it was, she was not impressed. There you go. That's, um, that's, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, maybe in the abyss pizza corner. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think people didn't ask for, um, <laughs> uh, Mercenary Press. So, yeah, you, you decided to start a label. What, what made you do that? Stupidity. <laughs> um, well, I, I used to do, um, in the, in the interim between Hang the Bastard and, and this band, I was in a couple other bands. I did do a label called Cult Culture. That was primarily more of like a punk label, um, yeah. more like did we did more like post hardcore and, and stuff like that. Um, and I, I sort of gave it up to sort of move on and do other stuff. And um, I didn't when I did my living situation at the time, I didn't really have the space to like do a label. To be honest, like you know, you obviously need you need somewhere that we can store boxes of tapes and records yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. And I can kind of do that now. Um, and, you know, I just felt with the way in human nature was going, something I always really enjoyed. Like I always really enjoy like helping other bands out and I want to get behind bands I really like and, um, you know, put stuff out. And also I think it's nice when you, when you come to a show, you bring a distro with you and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So I can do that now. Obviously human nature plays a lot and I can sort of start to chat to people about what's in the distro and that kind of thing. And um, it just felt, I don't know, it felt like the right time. And obviously it was during like when we were locked up and at home. So I needed something to do because um, all I was really doing was working and it was depressing, really. I, like, I do like my job, but that's all it felt like I was doing. I couldn't go do a show, things like that. And it's it pretty bleak. So I was like, you know, the one thing, the what the thing that I found that during the pandemic when everyone's locked up is like, I bought way, I bought so much more music than I used to, probably because I had more money because I was just like, I couldn't go out. I could go out for my hours exercise or whatever. Fucking bollocks we, we were allowed to do at the time. Um and I feel like more and more people were in that situation. So you couldn't go to a live show and see a band, but new stuff was coming out all the time. So every month it was like Bandcamp Friday, you buy a new few, buy some releases, things like that. And I was like, okay, maybe now is a good time to, to start a label. And I think that kind of has carried on since then, you know, like Bandcamp Friday is still a thing where it's a bit of a meme now, obviously every, every time it comes out, bands are like, whoa, it's Bandcamp Friday. Yeah. It's still really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, people get excited about buying new releases and you know i've got two new releases coming out and they're both going to land on bandcamp friday and it will be helpful if people buy it on that day so obviously there's no fees stuff like that but um yeah back to why i started it probably stupidity obviously labels can be a money pit or they cannot be you know i've put out some releases a lot of the stuff is sold out um which is great sometimes it trickles out over time i did the first i did a first press of iron tombs demo did tapes and cds and they sold out in like a week or two which is great it was amazing the samara release which came out soon after that is a little bit of a harder listen and it's it's going out kind of slowly as well so you sort of start you kind of learn from these things you know um but yeah that was why i just got to shower iron tomb just quickly because that's fuck that's an absolute fucking belt yeah. that is. it's rad it's really really cool um they they got in touch with me um you know like a lot of bands do that um a lot of bands get in touch some some of it i'm like this is sick some of it yeah i can't really work with it 
Um, and I, I think it was even like, I just, so my, my kind of rule is like, if in the first minute or 30 seconds to a minute, if I'm like, if I'm not, if I'm at that point, I'm like, I don't know. I just won't bother. I'll probably, I'll still listen to the rest of it, but I have to be like, it literally has to be, I have to be like, this is fucking awesome yeah. for me to want to spend money on it. Um, you know, and doing tapes and CDs is not a lot of money, although prices are going up because of like Brexit, stuff like that. Prices, you know, prices everywhere going up. It's not necessarily all to do with Brexit, but, you know, prices are going up across the board. Like tapes have gone up by like 30p a tape, things like that. Which adds up in the end, you know, it still adds up. It feels like a small amount, but it does add up over time, depending on how much you do. Um, and yeah, and also, and also it's called Mercenary Press because I did want to do a label, but I was really interested in doing like zines as well. So when I launched the label, we did um, a release for Sadistic Force, like their first two demos, a zine, we did shirts and stuff like that. But it was to kind of, I was interested in doing zines. I'm actually putting a book out soon um for you know dara who you saw play with us at bloodstock who was playing bass he's yeah. written a book of short stories and he's working on a novel to come out after that um all about working in bars in camden and being surrounded by um unsavory characters <laughs> in that area it's really good some some of it's fucking hilarious um and some of it's brutally sad um but we're going to put that out soon so i really love work it's like it's like a totally you can i kind of approach it like i would a record but it's obviously a totally different vibe um yeah. trying to do that as well so yeah a little bit but i like writing zines as well um luckily my girlfriend puts out zines also so she's really interested in it and to be honest i kind of couldn't do it without her because she actually knows how to work photoshop um and i don't so that's really helpful <laughs> um luckily she enjoys doing it and gets involved and i kind of like have the ideas for it and do the interviews and stuff like that and then and izzy really helps me out of it which is great as well and is kind of like a part of it as well which is really cool but she does her own like zine press and stuff like that which is really cool as well so yeah that's kind of it i was just interested in it always wanted to run a label um obviously i have like a monday to friday job but i think it's always good to have just keep pursuing your interests in the background because yeah. you never know where that will lead you know what about what about putting out vinyl because i think you, you put a heavy sentence vinyl did you or my things no i wish i did that would be awesome <laughs> but crypto the wizard um put that out who i just started working for like on a sunday in the shop no that's um it. That's trying to flog the release in there yeah good good shop good label it's really awesome charlie constantly stocks amazing shit in there where are you are you in london uh, I'm yeah, I'm in London, uh, I'm in East Sussex, so not not far out of London to be fair. I, okay. um, I work in Dagenham in East London, so you know, kind of like the old. Okay, well, if you're ever around, you know, pop into the shop. I'm there on a Sunday. Um, yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, so I did the yeah. It would have been awesome to release um, Heavy Sentence. So they started off doing releases on Night Rhythms, which is an American label. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they Night Rhythms co-released our split with Road Mutant. Yeah. Um, and then I'm pretty sure Heavy Sentence have they co-released with Crypt of the Wizard and Dying Victims in Germany. So they had the kind of UK and Euro distro, um, both both cool labels. Um, I'm obviously biased towards Crypt of the Wizard because I work there, but it's fucking sick. Um, I did so this back to what you were talking about, Sadistic Force. Probably what you're thinking about. That's the one. I'm thinking I did of, their yeah. vinyl. That's it. Co-released that with. Um, Postmortem Apocalypse, who are based in America and Wichita. Um, and they've put out like amazing stuff. Like they're like Phil, the guy who who runs that label, he's quite um his main interest is sort of 
um, putting out releases from the Wichita scene, like like Manila, like he's done some Manila Road represses and stuff okay. like that. And he was in Manila Road um, for the last leg of that band playing bass. Um, but That's he cool. kind of he concentrates on putting out older releases, which is fuck, and they're all great as well. But we co, but he, but I sent him the solicit force thing, and he was like, "This is too good not to be involved with." So we both released that, which made it a lot easier and cheaper. Um, and the turnaround time wasn't we got like a good deal and the turnaround time was pretty quick as well um at the moment yeah. isn't, there, isn't there quite isn't there quite a long old wait to get vinyl pressed at the minute is that still going on or is that kind of it's getting better for sure um yeah i bet it can it does depend on i you know i hate to say it like depends on who you are like yeah. if i if i went to there is a new pressing plant in the uk actually which i and i think their turnaround time is reasonable but if I was to go to one of like the usual ones you would have gone to as like a new label, I'd probably wait in fucking six months. Because like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, who am I? I yeah. haven't like put any money into it or anything like that. But if you're a label um, who's doing releases like monthly or every other month, something like that, you're going to get some privileges are going to come with that as well, which I guess is understandable in yeah. a way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's how that, how that sort of things work. But yeah, it's definitely it is getting better. I would say, I mean, when the Road Mutant split was getting pressed, that took a year to come. Like, I think it literally, we put the pre-orders up for it and a year to the day they arrived at like my flat. Like a year later, it's fucking crazy. Just a seven inch, but it's like on a small label, obviously vinyl really ramped up during the pandemic as well, yeah. you know? So whatever huge megastar band has got a re-release out, you know, like everyone says like Fleetwood Mac got loads of represses. Which is fair enough. Those records are sick, yeah. but you know you could probably go and find them at a second-hand store. But yeah, you know stuff like that, and it was holding smaller labels up. You know, well you can but walk into um, you can walk into a branch of HMV now, and the racks of vinyl yeah. are enormous. I mean, they charge a fortune yeah, yeah. for it, but they they are enormous. It's good to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't personally buy vinyl anymore. I did years ago, but since having kids, mm. all that, it all kind of disappeared. Yeah. But it is good to see that because nothing nothing sounds better than vinyl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I collect vinyl, you know, or still, it's dangerous working in a really good record store. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, you just listen to records all day and you want to fucking buy it or you've got to be quite restrained. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's obviously it's gotten, it keeps getting popular and popular, I think. I think it all dip in and out, but, you know, it's definitely on the rise as well. But it's, you know, like, it's, it's a hobby it is just a hot, it's a hobby, isn't it? You can get really into it. You know, people get really into the type of players you buy, like the sound. I'm not really much of like an audio file kind of person. Like I listen, I collect cassettes. People say they sound like shit. Like I don't, I don't know. They, maybe they do. I'm just like, it sounds fine to me. I'll listen to it. I don't really get CDs, even though I'm sure they sound fine. So I just don't have a player. I don't have a car anymore. So I can't listen to CDs. That was quite sad. I had an Iron Age CD. I had Iron Age, Constant Struggle CD in the car. First Walls of Jericho album. Some good Neil Young shit. Um, yeah, all gone. Bastards. And they probably didn't appreciate it either. But um, but yeah, no, vinyl does sound great. But it is, it is pricey. It's pricey to put out. The waits can be long. So if you're a small label, like committing to a vinyl is hard. Yeah. So, so I've got Thundering Hooves new album coming out next Friday. Yeah. And it's fucking amazing. And I wish I had the money just to bang it out on vinyl. And I kind of do, 
but it's my own money. And I was like, yo, with all these energy prices going up, maybe that's not a good thing to do. So CD and tape for now, but it deserves to come out on vinyl. So hopefully I'll be able to do it next year. I think the plan with the label is to become a vinyl, not strictly vinyl, um, but I would like to be able to regularly put out vinyl like next year. See, um, that, you know, in, that in itself, it, that sucks that you, you said, you know, things like energy prices stop you putting yeah. music out on vinyl. When you, when you mm. hear that, that's fucking, that's depressing. That's really fucking depressing. Yeah. Well, it's either that or my business sense of running a label and why I don't have like, the money to put out a record, you know, it's like, it's one or the other. Um, I'm not the most savvy business guy. I just like putting shit out. Um, and sometimes I give a lot of those things away for free to friends and stuff like that, you know, um, but it's all the fun of it. So maybe next year I'll be able to get a little bit more serious as well you know and obviously we've got a few really I had the samara demo come out which, which i i think is awesome but it is it's definitely a harder listen than like iron tomb yeah you know if you like death metal you're going to be really into that but whereas like samara is really noisy and like a little bit jarring and you, i think it's like when you sort of this sort of experience if you never really listened to black metal before when you listen to it, you're like what the fuck is going on here you have to really tune into it yeah you know what I mean? Um, Thundering Hooves is like kind of in the middle of that because there are it's like Michael from um, Vacuous. He's in it with his brother. So there is that element of death metal, but there's like there's a lot of black metal influence and trad metal. So I think it a lot of different people can get into that. And then um, I'm putting out the next Ninth Realm album um, in November, which I think if you guys like us and bands like High Command, you'll really, really love that. It's like if you if you imagine like All Out War, but then if they if all out war were massively into D D, it's kind of what Ninth Realm is like. Um, which is sick. So yeah, got a few things in the pipeline, hopefully next year. And I do have I do have something in the pipeline which I'm planning to do on vinyl. So I do kind of have a deadline for when I want to do this by next year. Um talking to a band about doing their next album, um, who are who are very, very sick. So that's kind of in the pipeline for now. So hopefully towards the tail end of next year, that's when it will just be smooth vinyl releases it's great you know and i think depending on if someone approached me it was like oh well, can you put a demo out i'd be like yeah maybe that's the tape release you know what i mean yeah i think our albums obviously you probably pick up an album on vinyl more than you would like a demo yeah. or yeah. an ep maybe i mean what i'd be interested in is um so especially like when we had like lois creature on we were quite interested in like hearing about how um, countries like Sweden and Norway and Finland support artists and you know with the mm. artistic grants and stuff. Um, is there anything like that available at the minute for um, up and coming artists or labels that are trying to you know create a base or is is that kind of just no no go? Well, in the UK, in the UK, no, is there nothing available? Uh, I see the government. Is- if you think about. You know, like the classic line from 1984, where he's like, if you imagine a vision of the future, imagine like a human, whatever it is, you know, the boot stamping on the face line that he says in the the book, in the film. That's like what the government just wants to do to music in this country. Like they don't give, the Tory government don't give a fuck about culture in this country. I know. know, It's it's such a hypocrisy, isn't it? Because all they want to do is wave the flag and go on about... um, Yeah. Like um, the, the glory days of the past, but the glory days of the past in their mind equate to 
conquest, control, pillaging, mm. looting. It's not the 60s and the 70s when we were reducing art and popular culture that mm. everyone in the world wanted to consume. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's a sad state of affairs because if it's, and it's so short-sighted as well, because like a country like Finland, they've put money into their music, popular music and it's mm. now generating three, four percent of GDP. Yeah. So it, there's obviously a benefit to it that goes beyond, we're mm. not saying just go out and find a group of long-haired yobs and just give them a couple of grand. You can, mm. you can be judicious, but if you've got record labels and bands who are saying, look, we just need a little bit of help to get ourselves onto the next level. We're yeah. We're making stuff. We're going to be paying tax on it. We're going to be, you know, flying yeah. flag for the scene. Um, we're going to be, you know, representing the, maybe not representing the country, but mm. there's, there's a lot to be said for like, you know, the, the, the kind of geopolitical benefits of having soft power um, yeah. in terms of popular culture. And it's just, it's just pathetic. I mean, but, but let's give some billionaires a tax cut because. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, a, it's this top down bullshit with the Tories all the time. Bottom up. That's what you want. Yeah. To well, I mean, in, I mean, in terms of obviously the government, especially the current government we have, I mean, even like, even what I was watching an interview with like a, a, a guy who got sacked by the Tory party is like, he was quite a, he's a very traditional Tory in the sense that they're, they're kind of about preserving tradition and kind of like the British landscape and that they're about, um, you know, our, our scenery and, you know, things like that, small towns, farmers, all that sort of shit. But the new Tories are just like money hungry bastards you know they don't even really i don't even think you could even call them like real tories and and the real tories are are cunts as well but you know these new ones are just fucking maniacs but obviously they don't you can't really get money from them um for music at all but you know with like for example like royalty companies like centric or um the um performing rights society things like that you know every now and then you can get money out of them like it's not there isn't just nothing in the uk it wasn't right for me to really say that but not from the government. It's not like Germany where like you get a 300 pound fee, like for a band like Inhuman Nature or like bands of our size, if you can get paid 300 euros at a show, that's quite good. Um, and the government pays for that. Like you just fill in a form and the promoter, promoter at like a squat is like, yeah, the government are going to pay for this. You're like, sweet. That's awesome. Cause it's all, you know, they do it. But yeah, here, like, no, I mean, even when, um, you know, when obviously companies were getting loans like furlough and stuff like that, you know, the Black Heart didn't get any of that in Camden and they had to do a crowdfunder, um, you know, and we did a T-shirt for it sure, and stuff like it. that. And they were trying to get £150,000 and they got it in the end. I think they exceeded it. But that was crowdfunded. You know, that was people in the scene that did that. But not the fucking government. They were like, couldn't have given a shit about that venues like that, you know. And he, I even saw... Um, it's different, it's not music related but I know it's musicians that work there, there's a vegan restaurant in Manchester called V Revolution and that's had to close now because they couldn't get back on their feet after the pandemic because there's no support for businesses like that well, well, that's lost, what I assume happened we lost, the cro- we lost Crowbar as well didn't we So that's yeah, Crowbar went as well um, when we I, you know so, all my when when all my mate all my pisshead mates wanted to go out, I used to go to the crowbar and I was straight, but they had iron brew on tap, so I was very I was quite. It was a good good time for me, you know. He tried crowdfunding yeah. as well, but it's just it's just so much money, isn't it? It's so much money yeah. to 
Yeah, it is bonkers, you know. Uh, yeah, it's sad. I think music in the UK is, and I don't know what it's like in America. I mean, you always hear that touring in America is harder than here, you know, in terms of the things you get. But you know, when you go and tour in Europe, it's like standard. You get paid a decent fee, um, get somewhere to stay, get fed. You know, the promoters can pay this. All they're part of collectives, but in the UK, like, um, you probably get a fee for a show, but that's about it. You know what I mean? Because um, it's just not as much money and, and stuff like that. So it's a bit harder. But yeah, it's a shame. And, you know, and um, I think even someone was telling me the other day, they said I, I should check their friend's band out who are based in Oslo because the government just paid for them to record an album. It's like yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Even like there's that really famous Cursed record. I think it's Cursed 2. And the Canadian government funded that. That's mental. Well, that, I imagine I mean, it. That, imagine uh, if Liz Trust gave me some money to do it in <laughs> Human Nature Records. It's fucking... <laughs> That um that uh, um, that Sam Dunn t- uh, movie um Headbanger Metal uh, Metal a Headbanger's Journey yeah that was um the first time I showed that to my wife she was like I guarantee that was paid for by the the Canadian Arts Endowment or something like that yeah I bet and, you know and like why and that and, that, and you know again Canada is only got a population of about thirty three million it's not like mm. it's a big physical geographic is a massive country but population is still quite small. So like yeah. they're willing to do it. Every other, most other countries with a with a, a strong metal scene have some form of support. And mm. us, as with every fucking thing else, we help start something or we are the progenitors of something and then we just mm. fucking take the rug out from everyone's feet. And you're just like... Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but I guess like if, you know, if, um, let's imagine if like from the beginning of heavy metal time, if the government were really supportive of of that music, would it be the same? That's something to that make me yeah, think about yeah, as well. You know, no, would that's, would that's it be as angry? And would would um, you know, these working class bands create that kind of music? You know what I mean? So there is that too. I mean, obviously, it'd be fucking great if you could just get them to support shows or something and pay some fees or subsidize some venues or something like that. You know. I think, I think um, that's the main thing. Crazy. It would be, again, going back to this, like when we've re- repeatedly discussed this about the scene, it's not just the scene, it's not just the fans, it's the infrastructure of the scene. The yeah. scene needs infrastructure. So if you've got venues, if you've got even an efficient transport network, how much does it cost a band to get around the UK in terms of either get petrol or if they're taking the yeah. train or, you know, it's ridiculous. You're going to, you know, Mm. How, how I mean, yeah, you're going to pay for, for, for travel expenses just to go. I mean, I guess, cars. like, you know, like if we wanted to go, obviously, you know, we used to go in two cars, unless we were, if we were on tour, we'd rent a van, you know, going up to Birmingham or maybe a bit further to Manchester and back is probably like 100 almost, it'd be over 100 pounds a car, you know what I mean? And in human nature, it's not a band that could command hundreds of pounds in fees. You know what I mean? A couple of hundred quid, maybe. And it might sell some merch, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the way all the prices went up, and it makes it really hard um, to what it used to be. When you go on tour in Europe, you, yeah, you can ask for a little bit more, and it's really standard. But yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's really expensive. And it's probably why a lot of bands do break up, I would say. You know, if you're like really young bands, you've got to pay all this money to get about, stuff like that. You know that's gonna bring can bring you down a little bit. You know, especially if you know you got other responsibilities, stuff like that. You know, it's hard. 
when you go into mainland Europe now, um, going mm. back a, a, quite a long time now, I spoke to Serena Cherry from Svalbard. Yeah. She was talking about when they go over onto the continent, they can only take a, a limited amount of merchandise they're allowed to sell and, and things like mm. that. You know, those, those challenges, does it, does it stop you wanting to do it because of the, the, the financial constraints? Is it, does it almost feel like, well, we got, to, we've got to balance this out here. Is it worth doing it? Mm. No, I still want to like do Eastern it. Eastern Europe and things like that is such a long way to go. Yeah. That, you know, the challenges are there, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I still want to do it. I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to let anyone stop me from doing it. You know, fuck them. Um, yeah. It's kind of my attitude to it as well. But, but also I have to, I have to realize that I am, like I have to, I don't want to sound like a fucking meme or a TED talk, but I am privileged in the fact that like I have a job that pays me enough money to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, if I was 18 years old, that might be a different story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone in the band has jobs. We all get paid enough. You know, I get paid enough to live in Stoke Newington in London and have a car. Well, not anymore. But you know what I mean? I can go on tour. I could be in a band kind of do, do all the things collect records that sort of thing so i have to recognize that i'm privileged in that way but i still you know yeah i wouldn't let that sort of thing stop me from doing it as well and also yeah the merch thing like what serena was saying like that is right i mean I think when we did go when we went to europe we didn't bring anything in the van i bought a box of records and hid it under a chair but no one checked so we could have brought all of our merch with us so we bought i think i bought 30 or 40 cds that sold out by day three and i could have bought like 100 and like, i didn't do it because i didn't want to get like in get shit at the border or anything like that no one checks we even had like an extra person in the van who wasn't on the ticket and no one cared we pulled up to the we pulled up to the gate and they were like there's five names on the ticket and they were like how many people in the van i was like six and they were like yeah great see you later have a good ferry trip <laughs> No one gave a shit. And um, I think I wasn't there. So that was fine. So we got over to Calais, like no problem at all. Um, no one cared. No one cared at the end of it. It was totally fine. We drove around Germany, didn't get any shit. Um, I've been touch wood. I've been really lucky, like not to get stopped by police over there ever. Um, so I've always been all right. When we were in leaving Oslo so I actually flew from Oslo to Stockholm because we had another band in the van and an extra person so I like I like I say I volunteered like as if it was like a bad thing to do I wanted to go yeah. record shopping in Stockholm and get there within an hour rather than a seven and a half hour drive um, but they got stopped pulling out of Oslo like a black van just pulled in front of our van um, stopped him was like where's your carne and they were like we haven't got one government website said we didn't need it because there is actually some if you look into it, it actually says like it's really unclear and um the website said you didn't need it and they were like and the, the police or whoever they were border guards were like i think you do need it and simon i think simon was just like well i've left now so and they were like I guess, yeah i guess you have so yeah on your way and that was it so i guess it maybe it's lucky and maybe it's lucky who you get at the border if they can be asked to check i don't know like I, don't, I still don't think anyone knows what the rules are. That's part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah, that is a problem. Um, but I, we could have taken so much merch. So we had, so we got t-shirts printed and delivered to our first show in Germany. I think to some extent, a lot of the border guards and immigration officials and stuff, people like that in Europe, have got so used to freedom of movement 
that yeah. for all of a sudden a country like the UK to no longer be in the EU and oh we've got to check these twats passports now oh whatever just fuck it just go through who cares yeah, I, yeah. I, went, I went to the um when I when I flew back in, uh, a couple of weeks ago um this is the first time I've, I've left Italy and come back in when I've got the new um residency card now mm. I'm not supposed to get my passport checked and I was like oh I'll get my passport and I'll show them the card they were just like yeah whatever just go through whatever you know and when I flew yeah. out as well they're like whatever just I and I was like well do I have to go through the EU gate or do the non-EU gate and they're like no you've got the card so you can go through the Italian gate I was like okay right um, but, yeah and, and but they just they don't want to check out the time they don't want the hassle you know and unless yeah, like why would unless you, you're you know? a complete dick unless you're a complete knobhead you'll, you'll yeah get, you should get away with it I mean it's like what we should what, what I want to see is a bus driving around the UK saying we give 350 million pounds a day to the EU why not give it to thrash yeah exactly oh man yeah yeah i know it's a fucking nightmare yeah but if you're one of these like you say one of these border guards like you can't be ass. you just want to hang out at your border and you know go home that's it i've rarely ever had any ha- i had hassle at like the ukrainian border once but that's always a hard time obviously even before current events um i got denied there but it was our fault so that was fine um even going into romania once um we didn't have this like this is my old band didn't have this one document for the van that the van company should have given us and they were like and they were just like look guys there's obviously no other cars here it's really obvious if we let you through just go an hour up the street to like the busy border they'll let you through we were like brilliant and then it was fine you know they just want an easy Easy, chill life, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, that is you know, what we're talking about with the merch stuff. The, the rule is you're not meant to bring merch with you, but you can you can go over. You don't need a carnet if the, the gear you're bringing with you is your own. So if you own it and you can kind of prove it. I mean, if it looks bad, our drum kit is ancient and it lives in a moldy garage and it's, it was a drum kit before Hang the Bastards. It's how old this kit is. Fucking hell. No one's going to check. They'll take one look at it and be like, yeah, I'm sh- no one rented you that. So I think it's fine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we'll definitely go. I don't know if we'll go to Europe next year unless someone wants to take us. But definitely the year after, we'll go back and hopefully the rules have either relaxed or they're clearer and you know what you're doing. But we did almost get a carne and it was going to be like 300 quid or maybe more just to go to Norway for one show. And I was just like, I think me and Simon talk about, we're just like, fuck it. Just see what happens. You've got to wonder though, who benefits from it? Who benefits from stopping you taking those merch and selling it? It's all enterprise at the end of the day. What, what, why restrict it? It's it's madness. I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess it's maybe the tax stuff. I don't understand. Not that we've ever paid any tax on our merch anyway. I don't even know if we have to maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just imagine like this, like near the uh, the, tre- the 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 treasury in, in Sweden or Norway, Germany again. What's this fucking figure? Yeah, <laughs> like who, who let in human nature sell five t-shirts and not give us a taste? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, get over yourself, like, Where's that inhuman nature money? Yeah, yeah. You need it. It goes well. That's one less hospital we can build. Down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus, fucking hell. Yeah, it's bonkers, um, man. So, 
Just one last nice, simple question. If you were given the opportunity to tour with anybody, who would it be as a Merciful fate. I had a feeling you might say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Merciful Fate, Judas Priest. I realise you wanted one answer. Yeah, maybe Judas Priest. I don't know. No, yeah, as, many, probably, as many answers as you can get. <laughs> I'd probably go Merciful Fate just because King Diamond seemed like, he seemed like a, just a very nice dude. He just seemed, I liked, I mean, obviously you were there, so you, you saw, but like, you know, obviously he's King Diamond's, He's doing the songs. He's evil, but then in the in in between, he's just like, "Hey guys, like, yeah. I'm King Diamonds. What's up?" And he, like, he's he's really five year old boy out on stage after. The yeah, song. yeah, that was awesome. Really nice. Um, yeah, man. Um, I mean, if we think, obviously, like you know, I love to obviously would love to do something like that. I think in in smaller terms and, and bands that you know we're friends with, you know, I'd always always want to go and play shows with like Aggressive Perfector. Yeah. They're really good guys. Um, be cool to do some stuff like Heavy Sentence. Um, just our friends' bands, really. I mean, you know, I'm always into that as well. You know, all our friends' bands. Parish, I think it would be cool to tour with them. They're super nice guys. Maybe Celestial Sanctuary at some point. We played together kind of recently, and there was we were like, oh, yeah, we should do some shows. You know, as you do. Um, Playing Desert Fest next year, I'll yeah. make my captain. Yeah, yeah, I saw that getting out. It's good. Like, I'm gonna definitely gonna go for the um, the day that blood ceremony play for sure. The bands are awesome. Um, or maybe I'll go for the whole weekend. I'm not like I said. I'm not a festival guy. I feel I'm knackered by the end of it. So I tend to just go for maybe one one day of it. I definitely go for that. Desert yeah. fest, you can go also, home, everybody, can't you? you know? That's true. Yeah, it's not very far for me to get home from Camden, which is good. Just, just, you know. Um, one, I'll, I'll, can I, if I can ask a last question, something stupid. What yeah. are your metal pet peeves? Oh yeah, we did. My this. metal pet peeves. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I have one. What ours were like? I'm not sure. Tell me some of yours. Maybe it'll like, <laughs> maybe we'll jog up some nights. My, my, mine was mine was people filming entire shows on their fucking phone. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Yeah. That's awful. Uh, my my one of my one was needlessly long acoustic intros to thrash metal songs. Yeah, like I think at thirty seconds is fine with me. Yeah, but like I mean I I like I love Testament, but, but they've they've got a bit of a problem with that sometimes. They like their acoustic intros to songs, and I'm like, does this mm. really add anything to the song? Um, what was it? Glow sticks as well. Triganza. Glow sticks. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not that. Yeah, yeah, we're not yeah, yeah. fucking glow sticks. Uh, what were the other? Oh. One? I mean, there was what what I don't like is like the kind of almost like the the the, the people who try too hard, the, the presenteeism kind of thing. Like there was what I think was it download? No, yeah, download two thousand and four, and there were there were there were people going around like you know kind of sixteen year olds, eighteen year olds, and they had like they had drawn fake self harming scars on their arms, and you're just like right. really, just why yeah, bad, you know. Just like you don't, you're not impressing anyone. And if, if, if yeah. someone did see you with those scars, they're not going to think, cool. They're probably going to think, oh, does that person yeah. need some help? You know, like, yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think what my pet peeves are. I don't know. I feel like gate, I feel like, you know, metal gatekeeping. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. definitely a pet peeve, you know. Um, I feel I've definitely seen a few comments on like some of our posts where, if we posted a video, we posted a video when we were on tour in Europe and there was some, you know, more uh, hardcore moshing going on and people were just like, oh, it's fucking stupid. 
I was like, maybe you're fucking stupid, man. Like, you know what I mean? Who cares? Like, just let people do what they want to do. And, people um, enjoying themselves, know. isn't it? You know? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe there's a song positive. title there. Like, you write a song about a gatekeeper who gets owned. Like, it's like Tears, yeah, of, yeah. tears of the Gatekeeper. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Sounds like a Burzum song title, you know, like <laughs> you know. You know what? I, um, I, I, I wore a long, I wore a Burzum t-shirt one of the days Oof. of Bloodstock, and we were, we were standing Dangerous. around, yeah, late, late at night in the tent when they were, you know, sort of the bars open and that kind of thing. And the amount of people that come up to me and ask me why I'm wearing a Burzum t-shirt, am I a Nazi, or all this kind of yeah. stuff? It's, like, it's just a fucking t-shirt. It's, you know. Yeah. They had I their mean, moments. I personally wouldn't because I think Burzum are shit. No offense, like I just don't. I don't like them. I, you know what? I, let's let's get into. It. I know we're trying to wrap up. So, <laughs> so obviously, I work at a, a mostly black metal record store, and they do have the first couple of Burzum records in. So they've been repressed, and you can get them. They generally come along with like Dart Throne stuff and stuff like that. And a guy came in, and he was he was asking for recommendations. I was trying to recommend some new stuff. He wasn't really digging it. And I was like, well, we've got some Burzum records. And he was like, yeah, I'll get a couple of those. And I was like, all right, man. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I've never given him a full listen, really. Obviously, I'm just like, you know, Varg's a, a fucking lunatic murderer. Yeah. Kind of, well, not of not a little bit. He is a racist. Um, so I was like, I'm going to listen to some Burzum. And, you know, secretly, no, I, I can secretly, if I like it, I'll secretly like it. And I won't tell anyone about it. But I just listened to it and I was like, this is rubbish. Like, his vocals are awful. So now I just, I hate him and I don't like Burzum either. I don't know where we were going with that. But yeah, but I also, I wouldn't go up to someone and be like, are you a, are you a Nazi for wearing a Burzum t-shirt? Because I think the, the music that, we're going down a really pro, potentially bad <laughs> rabbit hole here. But obviously you did say we, this could happen. If you take a, if you do separate the art from artists, the music of Burzum, there is nothing within it, as far as I'm aware, that is like nationalist. Obviously, there's like yes. some Viking shit, but yeah, it's made by a guy who is. So there's that, and obviously, there. Unfortunately, whether you like it or not, they do. Burzum does help to define a genre of music. Yeah, yeah. Whether you whatever you think about the person or not, the music that he created helped you know obviously you know was a huge huge part of the second wave of black metal so what can you that's just it isn't it the ridiculous thing is is i was wearing it was a long sleeve t-shirt so i, I took it with me for the for nighttime when it was cold but the, the ridiculous thing is the reason i was wearing it is because um i have a, an ebay shop for for metal merch mm. and uh ebay don't allow me to list person products because of their links to terrorism mm. So that's, that's really the only reason I was wearing it, you know, and yeah, itself is, is, is ludicrous. But the venue that we played in Oslo with Lois Creature is a place called Blitz. Apparently he did threaten to blow it up. So yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> that's the story. Um, you know, luckily he didn't because you got to go and play there with Lois Creature. It was really fun amazing venue but yeah you know the guys but the guys obviously is just a fucking lunatic you know Absolutely but we we when we played um when we played in manchester recently there was like a, a young person wearing a fucking burzum shirt like give a fuck i'm sure you're not a racist maybe you just love exactly. that metal and that's exactly. fine it's a you know it's a shaky it's, it can be a bit of a shaky genre but 
you know, I mean, you know, Dark Throne are, are obviously really popular. I love Dark Throne, but um, if you read the insert to like Transylvanian Hunger, like the original insert, there's some sketchy shit yeah. written in yeah. there. And they, they obviously addressed it later on. And it wasn't really what they were trying to, they meant to say and stuff like that. But yeah, man, but all those, you know, they were obviously fucking young as fuck and, you know. Well, we're we're going with this. We, we look at we're looking into the Norway scene and, and talking about it in a few weeks because you know it's it's a fascinating subculture. Well, black mm. like, whole, so. you wouldn't sorry just you, you wouldn't like let's say someone was like a Gary Glitter fan you wouldn't go up to them and go oh like like little boys do <laughs> I mean no you wouldn't yeah would you? that's true but, yeah you true. know I mean, it's a fair point yeah it's, but so it, it, it's, it's always the thing is it, it's like it, it's acceptable to call someone a nazi because it's like yeah and yeah. it's thrown around i think i think it's thrown around a lot that it loses its meaning yeah yeah, yeah. Do you know what i mean like coming up to you at bloodstock and being like oh, are you a nazi it's like do you understand what a nazi yeah. really is yeah you know what i mean um you know i think she said yeah. it in jest to be fair so <laughs> if you were wearing what's that band's Oh, there's another black metal band that's still going. Um, their logo is kind of like, it's like a wolf. I can't remember his name. But they're like popular, but they literally have swastikas on their like album covers. I can't remember what it is. There's, there's just no need for it. Do you know what I mean? But they're like a band that still play, like they played a fest that Sodom were on recently. And that guy, they're like openly fascist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if you were wearing one of their shirts, you could be like, maybe that's a little bit too sketchy. You yeah. know what I mean? There's, there's no need for it. If it's going to be that blatant, at least, at least Burzum is yeah. in the past and, you know, it's almost like a bit of a pantomime story anyway. So, okay. So, um, yeah, I actually have to go because I've actually found a metal club near where I live. It's five minutes down from my house and there's a stoner yeah. metal band on stage right now. How long have you and been living there? I know, no, it's just that it's a new thing, but it's right next door to the school I teach at, so it's probably going to be filled with my fucking students. Right, get off, get off, get off my podcast. Right. Okay, um, now, I'm, I'm going to go down and spread the gospel. Do it. Be down there. Right, yeah, man. fucking listen to In Human Nature, all of you now. Fucking put it on, right. Okay, nice <laughs> meeting you all. Yeah, Take you care. too, man. Take care. Hey. Have a good one. Bye. Nice. All right, we'll um we'll wrap it. Look, um, Chris, thanks for coming on and taking out. Yeah, pleasure, man. Thanks for having you know, me. Two hours of your Friday night, and I'm assuming your pizza's gone cold. So sorry about that. That's all. I'm gonna bang it in the oven. It'll be fine. I I, I knew what I was getting myself into when I ordered it, and the wait was 90 minutes. So, so. oh fucking hell. But yeah, that's all right. But yeah, no, massive, massive thanks good. for coming on, and um and you know we will uh, we'll we'll continue to spread the word you guys as well so thanks man yeah cheers yeah thanks um, so much for having me that's been awesome um so yeah um thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week next week we're gonna um we're gonna lay into queen next week because i've been Shit. i've been gagging to do this for a while um because i i firmly believe that queen are an overrated band so that might be controversial mm. and people might hate me for it but it'll it'll be <coughs> interesting discussion so uh listening next week for that but um, thanks for listening this week. Thanks again, Chris, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you all soon. Pleasure, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs>